Hey, Buttercups. You're listening to That Slayer Show. I'm Madeline Kane. And I'm Kate Schroeder. This is episode 11. Out of sight. Out of mind. And we're listening through the theme of loneliness. A theme that's really resonating with me lately. I personally don't ever feel lonely. (laughs) I don't relate at all. (laughs) Madeline, I feel like we had something i think we had a new review Ooh, we have a new review folks from bombay status forever who says i love this podcast this podcast is now a regular on my commute i love it and the insights that the host brings to the show thank you bombay status forever this is nice we've got some high energy going into the episode so Kate and I chose the theme of loneliness this week not only because it fit well with this episode but also because in the wake of the pandemic, a lot of us are isolating by ourselves or seeing very few people. We know that loneliness has some pretty profound health consequences. Sometimes like chronic loneliness can lead to like immune system suppression. It can lead to like cardiovascular disease. And it also like distorts your perception of your relationships with other people. I'm just going to throw in there that I didn't, you knew those things, and now we all know those things, so thank you. Well, I knew those things because I Googled some stuff about loneliness. Oh, nice. (laughs) I mean, I read some studies. I did not just Google. (laughs) So loneliness, it's also pretty pervasive. So a study, I think, from the Kaiser Foundation in 2018 said that 22% of adults suffer from loneliness, and... In a way, that's a little comforting for those of us who do feel lonely because we're like, oh, we're not alone in our lonely feelings. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. yeah. But it is interesting because it's actually, it's pretty much as big a problem as like obesity or smoking or like these other sort of classic health focuses that are like often the target of funding for research or like other things. Anyway, so it's, just, it's something to keep in mind that like loneliness is something to be taken seriously, but we're going to have fun in this episode. Anyway, Kita. One minute recap. Are you ready? I I think I am. Yeah. I'll count you in. How about that? Do it. Sure. Let's just be crazy and I'll count you in. Okay. Three, two, one, recap. Okay. So Cordelia is talking a lot about being the May Queen, which is a big deal for her. Also, she's dating this guy named Mitch and they're going to go to the dance together and then he's in the boys locker room. Right. And then uh, an invisible bat like beats him up. And there's giggling involved. And then also then Harmony is pushed down the steps by something invisible. Right. And Harmony is like Cordelia's best friend. So it seems like maybe something is targeting Cordelia somehow. And then Buffy follows the invisible giggling into or like sees this person going to the band room. Right. Well, she doesn't see. She like follows yeah. these sounds into the band room. And then they're like, okay, just so invisible. there's an invisible person. And this invisible person uh, also goes after Cordelia's teacher. Right. And then um, but doesn't die. Nobody's dead yet. But she like kind of tries to to harm them all anyway and then it turns out that it's this girl named marcy who was in band and then it was like the percept nobody perceived her as being visible so then she became invisible right and now she's going after cordelia and also buffy and her friends because she thinks that they're also against her and so she like kidnaps buffy and cordelia and takes them to the bronze and tries to mutilate cordelia's face and then um she doesn't and they get away and then they take uh... (laughs) yeah that was pretty good i think we hit a lot of important points we kind of kept our cool in a way that sometimes we don't indeed Um, so gold star for us personally i'm personally awarding us a gold star um we didn't get to how those fbi agents take marcy and then send her to 
a classroom in D.C. probably with a bunch of other invisible students who are learning about infiltrating governments and being assassins. Casual. Yeah. Also of note, at the end, Cordelia, after all is said and done, she thanks the gang for helping her. She follows it up with something super mean, but (laughs) saw a little glimmer, a little glimmer of how things could be. Right. So Madeline, where did you notice loneliness? Loneliness was threaded all throughout this episode. Everywhere. Everywhere. So Marcy, the invisible girl, became invisible because Giles explains it as because of quantum mechanics. And again, the science just checks out. (laughs) And coupled with the mystical energy from the Hellmouth made it so that what people perceived Marcy to be, which was invisible, like nobody was paying attention to her or talking to her, she ended up becoming actually invisible. So obviously, Marcy probably was dealing with her own feelings of loneliness that potentially acted as a catalyst for pushing her over some sanity edge where she then became homicidal. And also, you know, she kind of became psychopathic. (laughs) She tries to mutilate Cordelia's face and kind of tried to kill Miss Miller and Harmony and beat up that one dude, Mitch, with a bat. So... I think loneliness played a crucial role in that. So I kind of want to talk about that with you. So I was thinking about her loneliness being not just something that started when she became invisible and was living alone, but that was clearly happening before she became invisible. There's one line that I wanted to see how you felt about. So so as Giles is explaining the mechanics of how she became invisible, Buffy says this is something that was done to her that we did to her. One question I have is, do you think Buffy is correct in assuming full responsibility for Marcy becoming invisible? Like how much of Marcy's loneliness should Marcy have, you know, like done something about for herself? Yeah, that's a great question. Because I think there are definitely some instances in which people being unkind to Marcy were unhelpful, right? Like Cordelia and her friends were very simply really mean to her. And yeah, I think that's interesting, right? Is it society's fault that some people are incredibly lonely? Hard to say. It is hard. And I feel like it's made more complicated by the fact that she's, you know, a high schooler. She might not have all of the emotional tools to cope with feelings of isolation or loneliness. Also, we don't know what her home life looks like. If she became invisible and then started living in the school, um, which is what we saw, then I feel like we can probably assume that her home life wasn't very good. Yeah. If she's choosing to live in the school. And, you know, if she became invisible, that was something that had to have happened over time. And so she probably wasn't being seen at home either. So I like obviously want to have compassion for her. And I obviously can relate to the feeling of loneliness. But... There's the flashback scene to Miss Miller's class where she just keeps not getting called on. And I think a good, you know, if you're never getting called on by your teacher, like a step I might take is speaking to them about it. Right. But it's a lot, kind of a lot of onus to put on a high school teacher to be like, hey, notice me. Is it? Maybe it's not. 
I know. It could also be one of those things that, you know, it was just an honest mistake on the part of the teacher. Right. You know, the thing about loneliness that's tough is that when you are lonely, you sometimes self-isolate. There's this cycle of feeling shame around your loneliness or feeling like, oh, am I socially inept that I can't have friends? And then that pokes at this fear that we talked about in a previous episode about like this fear of not being enough. And then you kind of withdraw from others. And then that just perpetuates your loneliness right so like it's hard for people who are lonely maybe to seek help but then it's also hard for other people to help people who are lonely because they're not asking for any help I think high schoolers do have some perception of people being lonely but I think there would be like a great kindness for someone to go and talk to Marcy yeah I mean it could have kept her from becoming invisible Right. And I think that's a separate issue. It's interesting because then once she became invisible, she was able to make herself be seen, you know, right? like nobody was seeing her. And then once she was like doing some really harmful things, then everyone was paying attention to her. Yeah. And I so I think that's a separate issue from, you know, two things happened. First, people were not maybe being the most compassionate or thoughtful toward her. And she ended up slipping under the radar and became invisible. Then she went insane. Well, that sort of brings us to a thought that I was having as I was watching, which was the loneliness that's produced by active exclusion or active unkindness. So I first noticed it when I was watching Buffy's encounters with Cordelia, where Cordelia is, you know, really mean, calling Buffy a loony when Buffy can hear and like saying things about her. And, you know, you can sort of see it in Buffy's face. Like, that makes her, obviously, super sad. And, you know, we see later in the episode Xander and Willow being really close and hanging out and doing stuff together without taking a lot of steps to include Buffy in that. But I was focusing a little bit more on this idea of loneliness produced by exclusion. And so what that made me think of is maybe, like, the loneliness experienced by people who do get assigned labels like that. You know, because then it's interesting that Buffy goes around and says to Marcy, I wanted to feel bad for you, but I didn't realize you were a thundering loony, right? Which is just so unkind. And also, you know, using a a lot of, invoking a lot of stigmas about people who have mental health issues, which Marcy's clearly experiencing. So I really thought that was kind of striking that it seems like this process of othering people is just so active in making them feel lonely it also you know makes the people making them feel lonely feel a little bit more okay about themselves because if marcy's a thundering loony buffy doesn't really have to feel bad anymore that she turned invisible Mm, true although i'm having trouble in that moment thinking that i mean i don't like the use of the word loony Sure. But the nature of saying something unkind in the moment when this person has tied you up, drugged you and is mutilating someone's face. I'm feeling like not very inclined toward compassion and like Buffy doesn't have to. Like, I don't think the situation calls for her to be that kind. You know, I think there are moments when Buffy can be mean and Cordelia obviously can be mean. But, you know, what Marcy's doing has now entered a different realm. She's physically harming other people in permanent ways, potentially. That's a really good point. But, you know, I think it probably did help to other her in that way so that it made it easier. It would have been harder if you did feel bad for her, I suppose. Like if, if she was made to be a more sympathetic person. Yeah. 
I just have one more con about Marcy because then we I know there's like a lot of other moments of loneliness to explore but I just have like a thought I want to throw out here it's hinted at or I said explicitly actually a couple times in the episode that this has happened to other students at other schools like people go invisible sometimes and okay my theory is that actually most people who go invisible just like stay invisible and maybe even like die invisible and just like go through their lives invisible and then marcy is an outlier like i don't think that the invisibility necessitates those those homicidal tendencies right so like the fbi coming to collect her was a result of the violent things that she did attracting attention i think and i think some students might have that reaction but i would guess (laughs) i would venture to guess that the overwhelming majority of students that this happened to would just continue to fly under the radar. I don't really have any yeah. evidence for this. <laughs> oh, but I love this. I love reading storylines. Because probably for most people who actually became invisible, that would be super depressing and just that would just exacerbate the loneliness that they were already likely feeling. And um, yeah. And we already know if a student goes missing in Sunnydale, it's like not that big of a deal because kids are dying all the time right (laughs) another student missing right anyway what other moments of loneliness did you notice in this episode well it's impossible to skip over the conversation that buffy and cordelia have cordelia does her whole i'm lonely too because no one really even listens to what i say spiel if cordelia is so lonely what is holding her back from making a real friendship with someone because it seems like for her the only two options are being lonely by yourself or being lonely with other people and you know i just wonder what you know maybe she believes she is incapable of having a real friendship what do you think right i noticed that too she's imagining that there are only two scenarios either be popular or have no friends at all. And I think one of the things that might be holding her back is that in order to transition from being, you know, the quintessential most popular girl in school to just kind of being low key, having a small group of friends, that process would require her to first have no friends at all in order to make room for that small group of people. I think, I mean, I don't know that that's exactly the case, but it seems like, you know, at the end when she is trying to talk to Buffy and Willow and Xander and stuff, and then Mitch comes up to her and he's like, you're not really trying to talk to these people. It seems like she would have to go through a maybe short period of like not really having close friends because close friends, you have to build those relationships over time. And that process is sometimes painful and like you have to be okay with being alone for at least some period of time which can be like uncomfortable to the point of okay well I'm I'm gonna choose not to do this so maybe that I was also sort of just wondering like her maybe self-worth is low enough that she doesn't think people would want to be friends with who she is almost it's like Cordelia you could be right yeah because she says something like none of them really know me and so I wonder if she is worried that if they were to really know her would they even like her Right. Like, that's the insecurity. Mm-hmm. So, Adeline, anything else for you for loneliness? I noticed Buffy being lonely. There are a couple moments where Xander and Willow are clearly really longtime friends, really close to the point that sometimes Buffy feels left out. 
And, you know, I think there are a lot of opportunities for Buffy to feel isolated. And even at the beginning when she runs into Cordelia and her bag spills and she has all these weapons in her bag and that's awkward and she's this weird person. I mean, I don't have a lot to say, but just like noticing Buffy's loneliness, that's probably kind of inevitable when you're a vampire slayer. Like if you have to keep part of yourself a secret to a lot of people and then the people who you are close to have other people that they're closer to like Xander and Willow. Right. So it made me think of the current situation right now with, you know, some people going more earnestly into COVID protection mode, right? Some people are very diligently not really seeing anyone at all, not really leaving their houses. And it, you know, sort of varies from place to place. But I think Obviously, for a lot of people, it's just because they have really serious health reasons that they need to look after to not get sick. And then for a lot of people also, it's a very correct sense of the responsibility and the need to be protecting other people by not going out yourself. And I liked seeing Buffy is sort of alone at the school because she has a job to do. She has to find this girl. And so she's alone but the moment where she's sort of looking through the window and the door and seeing Cordelia and her friends kind of just reminded me of the times recently where I've seen people hanging out in bigger groups you know the sense that they're having a nice time and they're connecting with people right and that there's something really valuable in that that you're missing out on and you know now we're at the point where it's not something that I would really consider risking but I felt that emotion a lot you know absolutely just like Buffy we sort of benefit from like this self-righteous thing of like, okay, but I'm I'm doing the right thing and this kind of conviction that right. we're like being the better citizen that might help ameliorate the feeling of loneliness. But there's definitely still that fear of missing out or like definitely like, wow, I would benefit a lot from hanging out in a big group with my friends here and there. Like emotionally, I would benefit from that. Right. Pretty lonely over here. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Keita, tell me about what you liked in this episode. Oh my gosh. Okay. So first of all, we haven't had very much overall series plot in a while. I've been missing that. And part of the reason I miss that is that plot episodes usually mean Angel. But this episode wasn't a plot episode and we got Angel anyway. And what I loved was the interaction between Angel and Giles. Oh, yes. So it was fun because this is the first time they've seen each other since four episodes ago when we found out Angel was a vampire. And so Giles is a little uncomfortable because he knows Angel is a vampire. And Angel is like, no, 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 I'm not going to eat you. Don't worry. And then they have this fun, awkward conversation where they're kind of small talking, but also Giles is saying that he needs this thing. And Angel's like, it's okay, I'll get it for you. And then they're like, oh, so you're in love with Buffy, huh? And Angel's like, yeah. And Giles is like, wow, that's so interesting. And Angel is probably like, no, actually, it's really painful. Okay, so I just took the opportunity to do a queering of the show. And I just thought that they had kind of a fun, flirty, maybe a little stomach twisting interaction. And so here's my theory. Okay, yes, I'm here for it. So... Giles is kind of a more age-appropriate choice for Angel. Good point. And my theory is maybe Angel's 
actually just kind of interested in Giles and you know maybe he kind of likes Buffy but he's not super sure and maybe Buffy is just a bit of an excuse to go and talk to Giles about stuff he's gonna go get the codex he'll find it for Buffy sure I think that was more of a thing for Giles I am so excited by this and excited to watch their future interactions. Oh, I know. I can't tell you how excited I was when I noticed maybe a hint of flirtiness, you know? Yeah. Maybe Giles wasn't all a flutter because he was with a vampire. Maybe he was like, oh my God, this hot man is here with me. He just snuck up on me. And Giles was like, oh, and you know, Giles didn't seem all that interested in Miss Calendar last episode. And you're so right. Wouldn't be into Miss Calendar. You're so right. So just laying the groundwork here. I'm so glad this seed is planted. Great. I'm excited to see how it. Well, I'm sure I'll only be disappointed. So, Madeline, anything you like? Yeah. <laughs> yes. I appreciated that Marcy was choosing to target Cordelia's face. Like, I thought that was an insightful... I know. (laughs) Hear me out. So I like the idea of killing a character without killing the character. So, like, in Game of Thrones, Jamie Lannister, like, got his arm cut off. And, like, his main kind of identifying quality was that he was a good swordsman, right? And then he no longer had that. And so... Cordelia's kind of main thing is that she's really beautiful and so I liked that idea of who does one become when their identity is taken away from them and what's left and we didn't you know it didn't play out (laughs) which is good I mean I'm glad for Cordelia of course sure like you know I'm happy for her as a person but in terms of a viewing experience I liked that they were flirting with the idea of kind of taking it away that central part of her identity it was also insightful on Marcy's part to like know that that would be the thing that Cordelia would probably hate the most you know yeah and I think I guess maybe from last episode I robot you Jane maybe I'm just looking for a more creative insightful villain sure could be that that's what is contributing to this being alike Madeline anything you didn't really like about this episode so we meet Miss Miller, who was Cordelia's teacher. She's a black woman. And I don't know, is this the second black character who has spoken? It might be the first black character who has spoken who is named. She doesn't die. She is like almost, she almost gets killed, but then she survives. She's the English teacher, Cordelia's English teacher. And um, we don't ever see her again. This is the only episode she's in. She's not a recurring character. And so it's just like reminding me and sort of bringing to my attention the whiteness of the show and like how black characters are so few and far between and so easily discarded. Yeah, that sort of leads into something I was thinking about. Okay, so Cordelia is sort of constantly centering herself and being in situations where she actively harms other people but comes out saying, but what about me? And so in a way, Cordelia is like, she is in a way for me an embodiment of this toxic whiteness that is constantly centering itself. When she comes to them for help, she says she's way eviler than me. And Buffy's like, well, she is. And I just thought it's interesting how at that moment, Marcy was more of a threat physically to the people around her. 
But I think it's interesting how Cordelia sort of just masquerades around being completely unkind to everyone. And at the end of the day, there's not really a lot of acknowledgement of that. There's not. Yeah, that's exactly right. It does seem to be an embodiment of, of whiteness, especially sort of like the white woman, the kind of Karen and like making her problem the most important problem. And mm-hmm. Keita, what what else in this episode pushed your buttons? All right. Three letters. FBI. So what I saw was a lot of power structures. And I just think at the very end, the FBI come to collect Marcy and take her to train her to be an assassin or whatever. And they say, we can rehabilitate her to be a a useful member of society. And the other one goes, very useful. And what they mean is they're just totally going to use her. And it sort of made me think of the ways in which people who might not have a lot of options tend to get used by the government. You know, systems like our military system, which providing people a way of life right and improvement in a way that's happens to also be extremely beneficial for the government system itself i don't bring any of this up to criticize people who themselves participate in these organizations but rather looking at the system that uses people that don't really have a lot of other options yeah definitely i mean obviously yeah who is marcy gonna go to for help like what if she didn't want to do this i mean it sounds like she's into it but what about the people who aren't into it right but they're not going to be useful someone who doesn't want to go assassinate Right. Yeah. And it kind of speaks to, you know, our society in this idea that you're only valuable if you can be useful. Right. Because they're not going to go collect and rehabilitate the all the invisible children who don't want to kill people. Exactly. Exactly. So, Madeline, is there any advice you might want to give to anybody? I mean, I think a lot of people could probably benefit from advice. But the piece of advice that I have this week is for Marcy. And... It's about self-compassion and she turned invisible because people perceived her as not being there and coupled with the mystical energy of the hellmouth that made her actually invisible. And I'm wondering about what about her perception of herself and what if she perceived herself to matter? Would that have kept her from becoming invisible? So maybe if she like took some time every day to maybe reflect, maybe do something for herself that brought her joy, maybe that would have been helpful for her because You know, I think there's some truth in saying that before you can really connect with other people, you have to have a strong connection with yourself. So that's my piece of advice for Marcy. What about you, Keita? Well, I think Angel should maybe go find other books for Giles. Yeah, Angel should be the errand boy. I think Angel should just make a ton of excuses to go see Giles and find more ancient books for him. And maybe if he keeps doing these acts of service... Maybe that's Giles' love language. I think it might be. Get him an anthology. I don't know what books Giles wants, but Angel just has a lot to offer Giles, and who knows what could come of that. Thank you for listening to the 11th episode of That Slayer Show. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a review and also follow us on Instagram. We've got a pop on Instagram with really good memes made by us. <laughs> you won't be disappointed. Mm-hmm. That Slayer Show is our Instagram handle. If you have any questions, you can also email us at thatslayershow at gmail.com. Thank you to Holly Colvin for the excellent cover art. And thanks for Harry Potter and Sacred Text for giving us the inspiration to make this podcast. Talk to you next week for the season finale. Ah! Episode 12. Bye. (laughs) Bye.